This is Transistor.fm. Hey folks, if you like this podcast, you'll also enjoy FounderQuest. Each week, the three founders of Honey Badger share what it's really like to run a bootstrapped software company. Uh, these guys are definitely further ahead than John and I, and I really enjoy listening to the show and just kind of hearing, okay, how would an experienced founder approach these struggles? Go to founderquestpodcast.com to subscribe or just search for FounderQuest in your podcast player. Thanks to honeybadger.io for sponsoring this program. Hey everyone, welcome to Build Your SaaS. This is the behind the scenes story of building a web app in 2019. I'm John Buda, a software engineer. <laughs> and I'm Justin Jackson, and I was distracted. Follow along as we build Transistor.fm. <laughs> Is that a new bit for us? What, what did you have, like, YouTube open or something? I was, I was texting while I, <laughs> oh. I, I finished the ad read, and then my brain was like, okay, you've got time, and then... <laughs> Classic. I started doing something else, and then uh, I realized that you had stopped speaking. Just sucked into your phone. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, I'm meeting with one of our customers today, Mike Vardy. He's in he's in town. So cool. Uh, he was just telling me he's at Ratio Coffee, which is just down the street. So ah. I was replying to that. Nice. Sorry about that, everybody. <sighs> uh, how are you doing today, man? Friday. It's Friday. September sixth. Yeah, six. Uh, having a little XOXO FOMO, a little oh. XOXO FOMO. <laughs> uh, yeah, XOXO is going on in Portland right now, which is where you and I met years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's the first one I haven't been to in a long time. Yeah. And uh, they shrunk it back down. So we'll see, we'll see what it's like. But Back to the smaller group. If anyone's yeah. there or whoever's there, have fun. Enjoy meeting meeting people and... Yeah, I know uh, our friend Jason is there. He's been he's been uh, saying that it's good. Yeah, you know you can't go to everything. I think that's the that's the thing. You got to choose what you go to. So, uh, talking about a different Jason, we got a message from Jason Zook, who's a friend of mine, and he's been listening to the show and. He has a pretty long email, but I'll I'll try to uh, synthesize it for us. He says, one question that keeps coming to my brain but doesn't seem to be something that's on you here on John's radar is how much MRR is enough for Transistor? Uh, That's a good question. He's probably right in there. I I don't think I've really thought about that because, no, I mean, we're nowhere near that. I mean, whatever that number is, we're nowhere near it. We also haven't hired anyone. Yeah. So it's like, I have no idea. Yeah. Well, and plus, all we care about is money. So there's nothing that's going to be enough to fill this hole. Because <laughs> that solves all. That solves all problems. <laughs> Listen, we got a hole in our soul, and the only thing that is going to solve it is green dollar bills. <laughs> well, Canada has better dollar bills, though. Yeah, we got multicolored. Yeah, and they're like they're like waterproof. Yeah, way, yeah. way better. Multicolored, they got holograms on them. Oh man, just so feels good. cleaner, you know. It you does. can wash our money. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a good question, Jason. 
in all seriousness. Uh, he says, the reason I think this question is so important is that if you don't have any sort of financial finish line, you stay on the he- the hedonic treadmill of growth forever. Is that right? Hedonic? Hedonic? Yeah. Sure. I don't know if I've heard that word. Okay. Uh, what What is... I mean, I, I thought I knew what... Because I'm guessing it, it has to do with... Uh, with uh, hedonism, <laughs> how come I can't? Is it hedonism? He, how come I'm not pronouncing this right? Hedonism, isn't that hedonism, totally yeah. different? <laughs> hedonism. So hedonism is a school of thought that argues that the pursuit of pleasure and intri- intrinsic goods are the primary or most important goals of human oh. life. The hedonic treadmill is the observed tendency of humans to quickly return to a relatively stable level of happiness despite major positive or negative events of life change. Okay. So people win the lottery and they're happy for a week, but then Mm -hmm. that becomes their new baseline. Or they return to their previous baseline despite the fact that they won a bunch of money. Yeah, yeah, that's probably a good way to put it. And they're miserable, but they're rich. That's right. (laughs) That's right. Uh, and so Jason thinks this relates to our conversation about, you know, enterprise clients because sure. he feels like if we had a, an enough number, then we would be able to go through these scenarios more easily. Like if our enough number is 100K MRR and every enterprise client brings us in, you know, another 10K, it's like, oh man, we only need 10 of those enterprise clients to get to our enough number. Right. Um, but if it's if it's like we you know it doesn't maybe our numbers a hundred k but uh, I don't know maybe it's harder to get those enterprise clients and so it doesn't really bring us towards our goal or maybe our goal is only thirty k and we don't really need a bunch more big clients for that we can just yeah. keep going on the track We're yeah it's on. hard to say I mean it it's certainly higher than it is but I don't know what the, I don't know what the limit is I mean we're I think both of us are still sort of working towards that number that provides like the comp the lifestyle that we want with some padding right but mm-hmm. but yeah but that's not to say that like we're not going to hire anyone which would obviously increase the need for more mrr mrr quite a bit yeah i mean the m- number that's always been in my head as kind of a good uh milestone is fifty thousand mrr and the reason is if we continue with the way we're budgeting right now which is 50% of MRR goes to salaries. That's 25,000 and then that split between the two of us is 12,500 a month. And so you multiply that by 12 and we get roughly you get roughly to an okay salary for a tech worker in North America. Right. Can we get to that point though with two people? Well, and that's the thing. And so and so then the next question becomes, you know, if we hire somebody, does that how does that affect things? I mean, of of course, like when you're starting out, your first goal is 10k. And then, you know, Jason Cohen's uh benchmark for like a reasonably good bootstrap SaaS business is getting to about 20k, which is 10k per founder and meaning like if you've gotten to 20k mrr in a reasonable time time frame you're doing reasonably well Mm -hmm. but of course after that 
um, if you're going to pay a hundred thousand dollars salary, the employer related costs related to that is another twenty five to thirty percent. Yep. So you'd have a hundred. You'd need to be, you know, a hundred and thirty thousand just to pay the the employee costs. And I think we discussed this before, but there's a lot more costs than people maybe do in their mental accounting, hey? Yeah, there's a lot of costs that are are the burden of the company to pay for when you have an employee. So like, you know, part of the taxes, unemployment, unemployment tax, health insurance costs, which we don't, we don't really deal with yet, but yeah. um, Office costs, office, uh, office costs, equipment costs, yeah, vacation pay. Yep. There's yeah, there's there's all these things, and of course, when you're bootstrapping and you're lean, initially you're just like kind of ratcheting up to okay, I just we're just looking at top line revenue of 10k per month, and then you get there and you're like, this is incredible. Like very few people even make it to 10k, mm-hmm. and they're like, okay, the next one is 20k because that would be roughly 10k each, and then you get there and you're like, okay, this is great, but then you start to crunch the numbers and go, okay, well, if we're going to be a real business that's going to last for a long time in North America, again, we can only speak for our area. Uh, it it's going to have to be at least 50k of monthly revenue for two people, and if we want to hire somebody else, so let's just say off the top of our head that we hired someone, and we're not planning on doing this, but we hired someone at $75,000 a year salary. Well, we add another 30% to that. That's already almost 98000 mm-hmm. And so just to pay for that, we'd need another uh, over $8,000 in new MRR just to pay for that. Right. And uh, <laughs> that would be hard. <laughs> it would be. <laughs> like, j- just to hire a, a full-time person, we would need to be at 33,000 MRR. Like, that, yeah, that that feels, um, that feels substantial. And mm-hmm. so, and we're, and, and and that's without us paying ourselves kind of uh, a market salary that's even close to comparable to what we were making before. Uh, there, there's a great blog post from the founders of MoraWare where they talk about, you know, they say, we started this company and we didn't pay ourselves for a long time. And so then they he calculated their yearly profit based on whether he and his partner would have paid themselves a market salary. And, you know, it just changed the picture completely. (laughs) And he said, you know, it was hard getting through those years. But now that we're here, we've had to, um, if we want to last for a long time, we need to pay ourselves a market salary. Like, you can't just keep sacrificing and sacrificing in perpetuity, right? Right. Yeah, that can't that that can't last. Um, it seems like if you don't get to that point within a reasonable amount of time, like maybe the business isn't going to work out, or it's just going to end up. It's just going to stay like a side a side thing, and you're going to have to sort of figure out something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. So I, again, I think if it, if it's just you and I, uh, and maybe a, you know, a part-time support person, 50 K in MRR seems reasonable. And, um, if we wanted to hire more than that, uh, I think like if we wanted to hire a full-time person who's going to be making a reasonable salary, we'd probably need to be at 60K MRR. Yeah. And if we're going, you know, and then you can just keep adding, you know, 8,000, 8,500 a month in additional revenue per employee, kind of. Right. Uh, and that, I mean, that's that's assuming that if, for example, if we want to hire a full-time developer in North America, um, you know, that's going to even be more money. Yeah, probably double that. I'll say this. Right now we're at 25K. Um, by the way, have we celebrated that yet? 25K. Uh, not, on, not on the internet. Well, here we go. <laughs> we, we, we're there um, and feels, it feels good. Virtual, I'm glad we're here. Yeah, virtual high five. Virtual high five. <laughs> uh, I think the, the next goal in my mind is 50K. Mm-hmm. And then, just like Jason Fried says, <laughs> like they try not to plan too far in the future. I think um, that one problem with saying what's my enough number is it assumes that all of my context and all of my, um, you know, all of the factors that are play at play right now are going to continue to be true. Right. Like maybe when we hit 50k a lot has changed like maybe our infrastructure costs doubled it's yeah totally possible i mean who knows like things things happen in the podcast industry so fast that it might we might have to just do a u-turn or like a left turn or something maybe not a mm-hmm. u-turn that'd be going backwards but <laughs> a left maybe a left turn um it's yeah it's hard to say and I'll, and also like i think to um who is it? Jason? Jason, Jason. yeah. Zook. Do you call him Zook? Zook. He should just go by Zook more. <laughs> <laughs> Zook is actually, I, I believe he made up that last name. Oh. Like he he decided he was going to, uh, for a bunch of reasons, going to create a new last name. And I think Zook is the one he made up. Yeah. But I will but, say, yeah. I I think, I don't think either of us is really in this to like, just make unlimited money. Like I don't think either of us mm-hmm. is really chasing material stuff. Mm-hmm. Or like I want to buy a bigger car or like a faster or like a hundred inch TV or it's like that. I don't think that's yeah. our motive. That's not our motivation. But it's there is certainly a level of I would say like financial comfort that we're not quite at yet. Yeah, exactly. And so there is a, a personal question there that's probably worth exploring. Like, just honestly answering, like, John, Justin, how much money do you want to make? And being honest about that number, I think, is helpful because then we can say, okay, well, we know where each other kind of stands. We know what we're shooting for. What's it going to take to get there? Um, Can we get there? Is it even realistic? And also, I think 
as someone who's been bootstrapping for a long time and made sacrifices along the way, I, I think it also means being honest about, you know, what's coming up. Because when you're building the thing initially, like you're just willing to sacrifice so much. But my daughter's graduating high school this year. Mm-hmm. And so I have to be honest about what's coming up there. That college, you know, I, that's yeah. going to be a, a bunch more money. And uh, so I think that plays into it. And probably the other thing that anyone who's experienced in running a company is going to be screaming at their iPhones right now as they're listening, is, you know, in this stage, of course, we're just trying to get to, okay, let's get to, again, like maybe uh, this level of salary for both you and I. And once we get there, and (laughs) the hedonic treadmill kicks in and we (laughs) return to base, well, of course, then you're going to pursue something else. Like maybe we get really fired up about building a big team at that point and um, helping put bread on the table for a bunch of families all over the world. That might really fire us up. Right now, we're not interested in that at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah, who knows what's going to, I mean, that's, that's the question I have too is, so you set a number and you reach it and then do you just like turn off signups and you're like, we're done. Mm-hmm. We're just gonna yeah. co- we're just gonna coast it out. Yeah, we're just gonna coast it out. Which, of course, like no, we're not gonna do would, that. But yeah, churn would kill all that, right? So, yeah, there's so many variables here. I think it is a good discussion, though, Jason. I think there's, um, I think there is something about. I think there's also something about trying to push a business past its its kind of um, default growth rate. So. Eventually, a product category is just growing at X percent, and you can try to juice it really hard. Like, we could just be going crazy on marketing automation, going crazy with salespeople, going crazy with enterprise, you know, whatever. And we're just trying to push the product category to its absolute limit in terms of what kind of growth is possible. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's healthy. And um, and so I think there is something about, you know, maybe uh, <laughs> trying to do that and being unhealthy that isn't helpful. And it might be good to say, okay, well, maybe this is just a 50K a month business and maybe that should just be okay. I think the default mode is to always want to grow, to keep growing. I mean, if you keep growing, obviously your revenue is going to grow and then you're going to want to do something with it, that, whether that's hire more people, but that now that means you have these other responsibilities. But I mean, there's other things you can do with leftover money. You could use it to fund you know, scholarships or like grants for people to do something or mm-hmm. it doesn't, the money doesn't have to go towards necessarily employees, but yeah, yeah. Good question. Good question, Jason. (laughs) Uh, I've got another hot topic, but first I want to say thanks to Active Campaign. Uh, I was actually just reading on their site, they have this blog, and they have this one post, I'll put it in the show notes, where they gave a bunch of examples of how you can use a welcome sequence. And this one was interesting because the person, uh, the case study was on this person who was using it for client onboarding. So here's an example. Email number one, this automated email, 
you welcome your new clients to your business. You say, hey, here's a little bit about the business. Thanks for being a client. And then automated email number two is describe how you work. Hey, this is how we work at this studio. This is how we typically approach projects. Thanks for being here. Email number three, and this might be, you know, day one, day two, day three. Tell them what they can expect from you, right? This is how our agency works. This is how we interact with clients in, Hmm. you know, our project management software. This is how we follow up on calls. These are our office hours. And then email number four, communicate what you need from them. Hey, we're just about ready to get started on your project. If you haven't already, log in to the project management software and uh, sign off on the initial uh, statement of work. And I just thought that was a really cool example of how you can use uh, email automation. So if you're in a business like that and you want to build a sequence like that for your business, you can try ActiveCampaign for free by going to activecampaign.com slash build your SaaS. That's all one word. You'll get two months of service for the price of one, two free one-on-ones. This is where they'll like meet with you and talk about what you're trying to achieve and then actually give you solutions. And then you'll also get a free migration with that. Activecampaign.com slash build your SaaS. Cool. What's what's the hot what's the hot Topic. You ready for hot topic number two? And uh, I'm not sure how much you've dug into this, which is fine. Actually, it'd be great to get your just gut reaction. But there's uh, a new podcasting app called Supercast.com that launched this past week. Uh, it was launched by Andrew Wilkinson, who's the founder of MetaLab. They helped design Slack. And I just had multiple people e- email me and DM me. Uh, Yaz, in particular, said, hey, I'd love for you to talk about this on the show. So what Supercast does, if you go to the website there, is it does private paid podcast feeds. Their, head, their headline is, enough with the me undies ads. Hmm. Uh, and so you can make subscriber-only content and build, they say, sweet, sweet recurring revenue. Uh, so it's like a, it's like a subscription model on top of on top of podcasts, yes. And this isn't the first thing like this we've seen. Of course, there is uh, Patreon, right? You can mm-hmm. subscribe to a monthly membership on Patreon, and you can give your subscribers a private podcast feed. There's also Glow.fm that launched, I believe, last year, and Pod.fan, which also uh, recently launched. So... It's not a new thing, but I think because of Andrew's audience, this one made a big splash. And he also posted this manifesto called Howard Stern is getting ripped off. Hmm. Uh, I'll, I'll uh, put this in the show notes as well. And he kind of does some, some math here saying, you know, Howard Stern switched to, he switched to Sirius XM and he figures Howard gets 90 million of that. That's a good deal. No, that's a good deal. Uh, but he figures that if Howard Stern used Supercast, Howard would get $228 million. I mean, <laughs> if all the listeners paid directly, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think a lot of this is clickbait because he launched a new app. <laughs> my, gut re- my gut reaction to this. Uh, but, I mean, gut- yeah, it, 
But your car radio is still far more accessible than adding a pod and a feed to your phone. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there is a segment of people who purchase Sirius XM mostly to listen to Howard Stern. Mm-hmm. Are all those people going to switch? Would all those people switch to a paid private feed and then cancel their Sirius account? Mm-hmm. Probably not. I mean, some of them might. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, see, this is already this is a hot topic. I, I like this. I like I like the I like where you're going here. Um, hey, do you pay for any like what what sub, what content subscriptions do you pay for? Uh, I pay for Apple Music. I pay for HBO Now and Netflix. Okay, and that's it. And that's it. Have you ever tried? Did you ever try Medium, uh, paid subscription or no, uh, I didn't Audible. No, I I tried Audible. Got I think I might have paid for a month of Audible, but got you know you get like a couple of free books when you sign up. But mm-hmm. I just I don't I I don't know audiobooks for me don't really work. Yeah. So this conversation that you are, and I are having, where I'm asking you. Hey, what have you? What are you doing right now? And what have you done in the past? This is the the kind of line of questioning that uh, an author named Rob Fitzpatrick, uh, who wrote the Mom Test book, um, advocates people ask because it shows what people are already doing. And his theory is that the only way to accurately predict what people will do in the future is to ask what they're currently doing right now or what they've tried in the past. And one of my thoughts about this uh, is that I don't see a lot of evidence for both podcast creators using these kind of membership apps and for podcast listeners paying for these kind of membership apps. And I think that is the challenge, is if there's not a groundswell of folks who are actually doing this, if this is just a cool idea that you know people think should exist, it's not. That's not going to be enough. And when I do ask, like podcast creators, hey, what are you doing to fund your show? Almost all of them are doing what we're doing, which is use Patreon. I mean, what do you think? Why do you think? Why do you think people choose Patreon? Well, I mean, I know Patreon is a feature for private. They, they, you can make your own private feeds through Patreon. Yeah, I mean, from my perspective, people use Patreon because that's what they're using for other shows. Mm-hmm. It's one platform for multiple memberships. Yeah, and it's really like, uh, I want to say accessible, but I don't know if that's. It's like. It's not really related to the, I mean, it's related to the podcast, but it's not, it doesn't put up a wall in front of the podcast. Like it's very unobtrusive. It's like you pay, it's mm-hmm. a separate thing. You pay for it. You still get the feed and then you're still supporting yeah. the show, but it's not, it's not locked down to a private feed. And some, certainly some people want an entirely private feed mm-hmm. uh, for certain yeah. reasons, but. It also, it also benefits from the people like us do things like this kind of uh, movement, which is. You often hear podcasters saying, hey, and remember to support us on Patreon. 
hey, don't forget to support us on Patreon. And so people are, uh, they, they start to understand that the place I go to support podcasts is on blank. Well, it's on Patreon. That's where I go. That's where people like us go to support podcasts. And that's where people like podcasters go to get support. That's where it happens. And so you're fighting this all you're fighting this cultural narrative which is like it's like anything else like hey if I wanted to run an e, uh, an auction online where what would I use <laughs> eBay eBay right yeah <laughs> if I, hey if I wanted to do a search of all the world's <laughs> web pages <laughs> what uh, would bang, I use bang, bang obviously right <laughs> 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 And these things matter because the the slots that people have in their minds for that thing, like, hey, if I want to support my favorite creator, where do I go? Those matter. I think it's a good idea. I don't. We'll see how it works out. Like I, Patreon, Patreon is Patreon to me feels different because you can you can mostly choose how much you want to pay, and it it doesn't it doesn't mean you don't get access to the show if you don't pay necessarily. Mm-hmm. So if someone like Howard Stern was like, my show is completely private. Everyone has to pay for it. Five or 10, bu- 10 bucks a month to listen to my show. Like, I think you see this now with, with streaming television where, you know, five, 10 years ago or whatever, when this stuff started, it was like, Oh, all these, you can, you can cut the cord. You can get rid of your cable subscription. that's costing you $70 a month mm-hmm. and you can, you can just stream stuff online and it's going to be way cheaper. Well, now you have like all these networks that are making their own streaming services. So now you're paying 15 bucks a month for Netflix, 15 bucks a month for HBO, 10 bucks a month for CBS. Disney's going to be like eight mm-hmm. bucks a month. And like, yeah, now you're back to spending exactly what you spent for, let's say, I don't know, less content. And so I, mm-hmm. if you're, if there are multiple shows like this that you want to listen to, you're quickly just going to, have this new expensive monthly bill, yeah, for more content. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's tricky. Seth Godin had a great episode on podcasting in general on the Akimbo uh, podcast. It's called Meta. That's the name of the, the episode, and I think he addresses a lot of this, which I think and it is worth listening to. Uh. Because there, there's a, again, I think what's instructive about this, and again, we could be wrong. I could be wrong. But what's instructive about this is I think for any entrepreneur that's looking to start a new business, you want to see evidence of existing momentum before you jump in. And then you have to be able to figure out, can I compete with that exist that existing momentum. And so one thing that worries me here is exactly what I said. If you go and talk to a hundred podcast listeners and ask them, hey, have you ever thought about supporting your favorite podcaster financially? If 99% of them say yes, and then you say, what have you done about it? And 99% of them say, well, nothing. That's hmm. a bad sign. Right. Right? And uh, likewise, 
if you go and talk to a hundred podcasters and say, have you ever considered, you know, a charging for content and they all say, yes, okay, that's a good sign. But then ask them what they've done about it. If they've done nothing, that's a bad sign. If they did something, but they felt like it really wasn't working for them, that's a bad sign. Mm Mm-hmm. Or if they have something that's already working for them, like, oh, yeah, I use Patreon. And they say, oh, that's interesting. Why is that? And they talk about it and they say, have you ever considered an alternative? And they'll say, well, no, because I run five shows and this allows me to have all of my shows on one platform. And then plus, like when I click through on the people supporting me, I can see that they're supporting multiple shows all on one platform. And so fighting that, fighting that existing momentum is what you're up against. Right. Yeah, it's going to be tough. And you're going to have to figure, yeah, you're going to have to figure out a way to do it. So I, I, I'm not opposed to these platforms. Uh, another big one that Relay FM has been using forever is Memberful, right. uh, which Patreon just bought. And hmm. so now Patreon has kind of shored up... Um, a lot of this puzzle, again, not saying that you can't compete against them. Uh, sometimes you want to look for a big, successful incumbent that you can go in and slice a piece of their business off of. But you want to make sure that if you're, if you're offering an alternative hmm. to Patreon, you want to be absolutely sure that people have considered looking for alternatives and have actually done something about it. What I see here... And this is a question for listeners too. Like how many podcasts do you support? And of those, if you do support podcasts, how many, what percentage is outside of Patreon? Yeah. And how do you support that? I mean, I guess there's a lot of different ways. I mean, there are membership platforms. There's affiliate links. You can, if people recommend things, there's like mm-hmm. some, some people have their own books or or other materials they sell online. That's one way to do it. But it's, yeah, it's hard to... Yeah. And we might offer, like, from the beginning, you and I had this idea, and we're thinking about building this into Transistor. It's in our ideas folder with mock-ups and everything. Yeah. Uh, Dating back to January 2018, I believe. Um, But this is also how we consider new ideas of, okay, who would actually benefit from this of all of our listeners. Well, it's going to have to be folks that are their audience is so big or their audience is so crazy enthused about the topic that they like um Taylor Jackson has a big audience of professional photographers, right? That's perfect. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, we should build this for Taylor. But when you talk to Taylor, he goes, "Oh, but all of my I've already got that, all that going on Patreon." Hmm. Oh, right. well, would you, would you switch? He's like, well, no, because it, it's working perfectly for me. Uh, and it also allows me to do video, which I'm already doing. And it's like, okay, I, maybe this isn't a good fit for, you know, most folks. Yeah, I don't know. It, I mean, that said, it looks like a nice platform. Like, it's, it looks nice. It looks nice. Um, it's true. And, and this isn't to call, like, I like Andrew a lot, I think. And in part of me wishes them all the best because, you know, the folks who are on Transistor could use this. They could, if they, if they're podcasting and they want to, you know, build some recurring revenue, then they could make this their, you know, the the home for their private podcast feed. Uh, I 
I'm just saying, I'm not saying, I'm not seeing there's a lot of evidence that supports this as a business. Like it's just, uh, and I'm happy to be wrong, but folks ask us for our opinion. And that's, that's kind of what I think. Um, now that said, like, you know, we have lots of our customers that use platforms like Patreon or use platforms like, you know, Podia to create an online course or our, you know, there's all sorts of ways you can earn revenue as a podcaster. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's, I'm all for new, <laughs> new ideas coming out of the woodwork. Uh, <laughs> I'm just telling folks, here's what I've seen work. Here's what I see actually happening in practice. Hopefully that's instructive. I, I, I don't know if that's helpful or whatever. Yeah, I guess I will see what happens. I mean, it's, yeah, there's like, I think I said earlier, like there's certainly a lot of changes happening or like being talked about. Yeah. Okay. One more thing. <laughs> Cause <laughs> this brings it up. You and I have a channel in Slack called podcast news. Yeah. And the, what ha- here's what happens is I will, I'm subscribed to these podcast industry newsletters. I get the new thing every day. I go look through it and then something will jump out at me as like, Oh wow, look at this. And I will feel compelled to go and paste it into Slack so that mm-hmm. John can see it. That's a, it's dumb. <laughs> it's just dumb. Just because it's being written about or being talked about, or there's a lot of, uh, uh, you know, a lot of movement around a certain topic in the media does not mean you should pay attention to it. No, because someone probably paid a PR person to do it. Yeah. Like, and it, also, <laughs> uh, people will talk about, People will talk excitedly about all sorts of topics, but never take action on those topics. Right. So, so the idea that I'm kind of persistently bothering you <laughs> with <laughs> these news articles. Yeah. And I, I only respond like 20% of the time. <laughs> I mean, I see them, but I don't, I don't really, I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what but to say to this. <laughs> you, you, you know what our, our, our spiritual grandfather, Jason Fried, would say about this? He'd say, Justin, why are you distracting John with information that doesn't matter? <laughs> like, wh- why waste your brain cells on right. on news? Now I'm just stressing out that we're not doing this. And <laughs> <laughs> exactly, like we we could be stressed out about whatever the new hot topic that comes across our desk is. Yeah, you know, I hear from all sorts of folks that you know have questions about the podcast industry or you know, I have ideas for the podcast industry and I I see a lot of assumptions. And the only reason, especially now that I feel like I can, I have a clearer view. And again, it's just, I'm only seeing our data and our friends data that, you know, like we've got, you know, Dave at Chartable and there's other people we talk to, but we can see what genuine action people are taking in their lives we know we know when people switch to us and why they switch we know why people switch away from us we know you know we know kind of how their how their podcast is doing we 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 have all of this data that's kind of what matters what matters is what you can prove with what people are already doing what matters less is these guesses or these new ideas, or these new hot topics that come up in a, in a particular industry, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. It, I mean, it, yeah. That's not to say that like that stuff shouldn't be worked on or talked about, but 
I don't know if I don't know if it has to be like this huge announcement type of situation. Um, that's probably enough on that. I I just kind of maybe want to bring this back to what I feel is the topic, which is it's easy to make decisions on mistaken assumptions. And even in Andrew's article and others I've seen, there's they often quote this. Uh, it's not Himalaya; it's Exhimalaya, uh, the, the Chinese mm. parent of Himalaya. And there's this idea that you know the Chinese podcast listeners are paying billions of dollars a year in subscriptions. That's incorrect. There was a big takedown of that that story. Yeah, see, there was headlines like the podcast business in China is 23 times more valuable valuable than the U.S. But the the when they actually investigated it, it turns out that that story is not correct at all. Hmm. Uh, it's actually more equivalent to online courses that these people are paying for. They're not podcasts, and that the the kind of uh, the way that they're marketed and consumed is very uh, unpodcast like. And so people keep referencing this uh, this article, but it's not true. <laughs> it's just, the, uh, uh, oh yeah, here's an article by Nick Kwa. The Chinese podcast industry isn't really podcasting as Americans think of it. There's nuance to all of this. And uh, I think the the mistaken assumptions are what people want to pay attention to. The blind spots, including us. There's probably stuff that we're missing too that we need to think about. For sure. All right. I think we probably used all of our time. Anything else you really wanted to talk about? Not yet. I mean, you know, there's been a few updates to Transistor itself as, as we mm-hmm. sort of like do a little bit of house cleaning before our uh, first six-week cycle of work coming up next week mm-hmm. or this week by the time this publishes. But yeah. Um, yeah, we'll probably send a newsletter out about that. Okay. Hopefully with some cool. updates. Yeah. Sweet. Well, talking about monthly supporters, why don't you give a shout out to our Patreon supporters? Yeah. Thanks as always uh, to our supporters on Patreon. Uh, We have Matt from Nice Things. Brand new. What what is Nice Things? Uh, I think, actually, that's a good question. Uh, It just says that in his title. Okay. Uh, I think that's his company. Yeah. uh, We'll find out and we'll let you know next time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Russell Brown. Evandro Sass, we, he emailed us. Yeah, he emailed us. What did he say? I forget. <laughs> I probably just butchered it again. Uh, yeah. Uh, he says, uh, just heard the last couple episodes and you were a bit confused by my name. It's really hard. You can just go by my surname, Sassy, as most of my friends do. You were very close to it on episode 73. Actually, he's got a small audio player on his website. Maybe I'll get Chris to just cut it in right there okay <laughs> evandro sassi well thanks for supporting us uh prediumna schembecker was pd for short uh, noah prail david colgan robert simplicio colin gray at oldito.com josh smith ivan krakovic brian ray miguel pedrafita shane smith austin loveless simon bennett Corey haynes michael sitver Paul Jarvis and Jack Ellis, uh, my brother, Dan Buddha. DanBuddha.com. Our friend, Darby Frey, uh, Samori Augusto, Dave Young, Brad from Canada, Sammy Schuchert, 
Mike Walker, Adam Devander, Dave Junta. Junta. <laughs> Kyle Fox from GetRewardful.com. Uh, and our sponsors this week, Active Campaign and Honey Badger. Yeah, thanks everyone, and we will see you next week. Podcast hosting is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm slash Justin and get 15% off your first year.